What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Face. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we're talking about the book that Scorpio has been so excited to talk about, The Witch's Bible Complete by the Farrars. I am so happy right now. And it's not because Sean McShane's intro music got, gets me so happy when I hear it, because it does. That's just a given. I love our intro music. Um, yes, Janet and Stuart Farrar. So first, let's talk about the fact that we've finally gotten away from Gartnerian. Yes. They are reformed Alexandrian. So we mentioned this in the podcast we talked about uh, Patricia Crowther's. Yes. And how supposedly Alexander's, there was a controversy with that. Was he initiated by Gardner? No, he wasn't initiated. Yes, he was. No, he stole the Book of Shadows. Whatever. In either case, they were initiated by Alexander's and then they left. So they are kind of like reformed Alexandrian. The first, um, this book, if people don't know about it, was originally two books and they put it together um, and was first published as one edition in 1984. I think, or 1981. I'm not sure. In the 1980s. 1980s. Yeah. Um, the reason that I'm so excited about this book is that it's not the first book that I read. I definitely read Murray and I definitely read Gartner and people like that before I picked up this book. But when I got into Wicca, you know, for me it was, okay, some things resonated with me. Some things were like, hmm, this is new. This is, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. And then I picked this up. And this was the moment. This was not the moment that I thought, oh, I'm going to be a witch. This is the moment that I went, holy crap, I've been a witch my whole life. Please elaborate. So we can talk about um, the book, I guess, and we can get into it. But when we get to the part of the rationale, what witches believe, the fundamental beliefs of every witch, that was the moment that I said, I have to have a long talk with my mom. Because I realized I wasn't learning something new in this book. I was just reading something I already knew. Got it. That I had already read in other things that my mom had given me. So it was a real mind-blowing thing. Because I thought, oh, I'm going to read about witchcraft and I'm going to be a witch. And then it was like, oh my God. No. Surprise, I'm already doing it. I'm already doing all these things. This is exactly what we believe. That's exciting. Now do you know why I'm so excited to talk about this book? She's literally been freaking out since we decided we were going to read it. So it's like every day. Can we record? Can we record? Can we record? There's a reason we're doing this on like the busiest day of our week, and it's because Scorpio's freaking out. So Scorpio, where do you want to start? I mean, we can talk about what the book is, first of all. Um, I wasn't going to spend a lot of time talking about the first part. The first half of the book tells you about the holidays, tells you about the great rite. It tells you about rituals, you know, it's it's all that stuff. It's yeah. the Sabbaths, you know, um, birth, marriage, death, all these things. So there's a lot of stuff we've kind of already looked at in yeah, previous books. In the other texts. Um, if you're really interested in Alexandrian Wicca, obviously take a look at it because there will be some differences between Gardnerian and Alexandrian. But I agree. I don't think we need to talk about it in depth for a fourth time on the podcast. Yeah, and it's really good. I'm not it's it's very well written. Yeah. Um I definitely recommend this. But yes, if we talked about it. Now, they do mention Margaret Murray. The aspects that she dis distinguishes between ritual witchcraft and operative witchcraft. So as a religion and as a craft and they talk all about that stuff which we have also discussed here. Right. 
Um, and I guess the part that got me excited is the rationale of witchcraft. Once we get to that part. And this is in the second half of the book. Right. And I think this is the part. I'm not going to say that they don't talk about it, but, you know, I'm thinking about stuff that we've read in the past. And I don't know that they really go into depth. I think they like to go into depth about how old is witchcraft? Yes. Where have we seen witchcraft? In paintings, in caves, in, you know, hieroglyphics and yeah. whatnot. But what do witches believe? If you're saying, and this is a strong statement to, to make, is to say, if you're a witch, this is what you believe. Yes. And they say it. They go out there. So I don't, I don't know where you want to start. Well, let's, let's dive into it. Because for a long time, your options as a witch were insert various types of Wicca here. So right. what is a witch in this context supposed to believe? Well... One of the things is about reincarnation, right? And this idea that you're born again and again to learn different lessons until you have advanced. And once you have, you go to the next stage. One of the things that I like about this is they don't try to pretend to tell you they know what the next stage is. They say, we do not know what the yeah. next stage is. That's a fundamental belief that I was raised with. So for you, when you read it, you were like, yes, this makes sense. Yeah, this is exactly what I've always been told that we come again and again and again and until we get whatever it is we need to understand. It's like a Nirvana-esque kind of, you achieve the higher uh, mindset or right. wavelength. And it's, it's your way of working out your karmic balance. Right. You know, whatever you've done that you need to work out on the next one, you work out on the next one. And they use this term, the bodhisattvas. Right? Which is related to Buddhism. Right. This whole idea that those people are, like, perfect. They come just to help us lower beings, yes. in a sense. And the way I was raised, someone like Jesus was a bodhisattva. Yes. He was somebody who came to help other people. That mankind chose to make him a religion is one thing. Right. But that he is, like, a master, like a Buddha would be considered that, you know, that whole idea. And this makes sense based on reading um, Murray and reading... Crowley that right. they were tying in these sort of global concepts because of the idea of the witch being this prehistoric or pre-civilizational idea of the way we intake religion. Uh, another thing is that that they mention is that the individual is bisexual. Woo! That it's that it contains the creative male and female essences in dynamic balance. So the personality is either male or female. Each of us have experienced in our incarnations being both male and female. Uh, and there should be some sort of balance. So what I liked about that is, and we've talked about this in the past, this whole idea that there's been such a fixation on your male, your female. A male initiates the female. A female initiates the male. And what I like about this is that this, this again, this is something else that I was raised with, this idea. Mm -hmm. That within all of us are both things you are living this life as whatever. And if you resonate more with male than you're male, if you resonate more with female than you're female, and it has nothing to do with sexual preference so much as you just are by nature bisexual. You should be able to understand both genders and what that means in a sense where neither one or the other. 
and I'm not talking about physicality now, I'm talking about like inside. Yeah. Right? Um, but that we do, we are born and different genders time again because we are going to learn different things. I mean, we do know scientifically there's different things to being a female and to being a male. Yeah. So we have to have those essences. We have to be able to develop those essences. I think it's also really interesting because right now we're seeing a lot of people, especially in tarot, but in magical communities in general, sort of try to find a way to encapsulate this male-female dichotomy using different language because a lot of the early leaders of witchcraft were saying things like, well, there's, you know, men and women and you have to have 13 members of the coven and they have to be male-female pairs. But we're learning as a society that gender is more fluid than that. And so this idea in this text is something that I think gets glossed over when people are writing new books about Wicca and they're like, oh, this is, you know, there's a, a god and a goddess. Yeah, but... There is, I love the term bisexuality, like I adore that. I mean, that's what they said. Yes. But there is this duality in a person that allows you to understand this societal concept of gender from either side, and you just have to open yourself to it. We can't just only lean into one concept of gender to the discretion of all others because you're going to miss out on your own personal learning and your own personal growth. Absolutely. Now, to make no mistakes, she does say, or they do say later on in the book, that they were initiated in, you know, traditional gender binary type of covens, and they don't even want to touch the idea of gay covens because they said, we, that's not what we know. So right. they're not putting it down. They're just saying, listen, this is what we know. Yeah, and it's nice as yeah. a straight couple for them not to say, Absolutely. these are the rules Absolutely. for gay covens. But I think that if, I wish there was more of a study done into this idea. But yeah, that's something that I was raised with as well. This idea that, you know, there's a balance and we come back as different genders and we experience different things during those times and we learn from them. So that's another thing, supposedly. Um, what else? Oh, animals. So this is something that I don't like because I want to think that my little guy is all mine. Yes. But supposedly anim- another thing that in the rationale of witchcraft is that animal souls all go back to like a big a big soul. In other a, words, a collective soul. A collective soul. We all have individual souls, but animals just have that and then they get reincarnated as well. But it's not like an individual being reincarnated. It's just the collective soul. Right. And that kind of bothers me because I want to think that he's all mine and... They did talk about the idea of, like, parts of that soul coming off, though, and becoming an individual soul. True. She also talks... I keep saying she. (laughs) We're really focused on Janet here. (laughs) We're on Team Janet. I think it's because Janet is still alive. Yes. Um, But to be fair, they they both uh, wrote this. So one of the things they talk about is ethics of witchcraft. And they talk about the Wiccan read. What I like about, because we we all know it, they've said it in every single book, but this idea that it is a positive rather than than a prohibitive. Yes. Right? Um, You're not supposed to harm anybody. We're supposed to intervene if someone is being hurt. Um, we, We should bind them. We should do something. But they do say, and it's on page 143, 
Sometimes you do have to fight fire with fire. Yes. And sometimes not having acted is just as bad as saying, oh, I would never hex, I would never hex. But sometimes if you don't, then something horrible could happen. Why didn't you? Yeah. Why didn't you put a stop to this if you could? And I thought that was great because that's another debate that I think happens in the community. I'm a witch that hexes. No, I'm a witch that doesn't hex. And how could you hex? And and he harmed none. You're right. And he harmed none. Well, why are you harming that person? You know, or why is, I don't mean you, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, why is this happening? And if I can put a stop to it. If you can prevent harm. Right. Through doing something to a person that is harming. Right. Your net harm output is negative. Right. You're doing more good. So your net harm output should be in the negative. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm on that team. I am definitely not a, uh... A witch who's like, no hex is allowed. So for me, I was like, yes, mm-hmm, validate me. See, it's interesting because I really, I'm not going to say I'm totally anti-hex, but I'm, I pretty much try to, I try to focus on, no, this yeah. is not something that I'm going to do. My mother's a different type of person entirely. Mm-hmm. And I've told you stories. Dope. She, you know, and I have said to her, Ma, you know, stuff is going to come back to you. She's like, bring it. And I'm like, okay. So. Um, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting, because I've gotten crap for this in the past, is it says, never accept money for the use of the art, for money ever smeareth the taker. And that's something that people have really... Nobody does that anymore. No, but people have given me grief for it, because I don't... I've never charged anybody for anything that I've done for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've given classes and not charged people. And that's gotten people upset. Yeah. You know, you have to charge, you have to charge. But this is also something else that I was raised with. Like, if you can do something for somebody, um, the book says, more than one witch or spiritualist medium has found his or her original genuine powers waning after going professional. Now, that does not count tarot cards, they said. It's not about doing divination, right? Right. Because in that case, you're kind of like a freelancer. That's what you do. Yes. Right? They're talking about spells. In other words... They say you should um, charge for the material, not for the spell. So right now, if somebody wants, and I've done that, people have said to me, I want a candle from you or some sort of spell. I'll say, well, this is what it costs me. Like, Yeah, if, or like go buy these things. Yeah, but a lot of times people don't want to go into certain stores right. or they don't even know where to go. So I'll say, okay, and I bring them the receipt. Like, I, you know, yeah. it shouldn't cost me. I'm not going to go broke. To do stuff. But I'm also um, not going to add 10% on top right. for my air quotes time. Right. Because at that point, they're paying for the spell. And they're saying you should never pay for the spell. You should pay for the goods. And that makes sense. You know, and tarot readings don't count, like I said, because that depends on intuition, not magic in the strict sense. I don't know if you're going to want to cut this out. But this is a thing that I think is kind of like the next frontier in the witchcraft community because I think there's this big push towards the commercialization of Mm. witchcraft this idea that everybody can sell something or buy something and you know this this is you should pay more for it because I put a blessing on it and all of that and it's like do I love this yes like I love getting to go to events and, and buying things made by witches for witches but 
I also am seeing a ton of books get put out every year, and they're the same introduction to Wicca book over and over and over. With the difference that I have no idea who these people are. Right. It's There's so much now where, and part of this is capitalism, because capitalism is a plague, but... There's so much now of, well, I have this skill so I can make money off of it versus this is my religious practice and it's something that I do because it is important to me spiritually. So this is, I think, the next sort of battle that we're going to have. Right now we're fighting hex or don't hex. Next we're fighting can you sell spells? You know, they say, and I quote, items should not come pre-consecrated or magically charged. That is the responsibility of the user. Yeah, but I have to admit, I know some witches that do some really amazing work. And will I pay for, but again, I'm paying for the materials. Yeah. Now, does it come with a pre-spell on it? Yes and no. It comes with pre-intentions put in. But if I just light it, then it's just a candle. I got a Yankee candle. Unless I take what that witch has done already and I put my own intentions on it. Yeah. Like that, I believe. Whether people do that, I don't know. Whenever I give something to somebody, I always tell them, you've got to do the work. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've put in these thoughts for you. This is what you wanted. You know, you wanted a new job. You wanted an opening. You wanted to be able to, you know, have that opportunity to go out there. But now you've got to concentrate with this candle. I don't care what I've done to it. If you don't concentrate, this is your job. No one's going to care more than you. I agree completely. So, you know, I also like buying things from people. I think there's some amazing witches doing some work. But yeah, I feel, and this goes back, we were talking in another podcast about the aesthetic. Yes. I think that when you walk into a shop and it looks a little spooky, yeah, but that's what kind of a witch shop in a way like, okay, I get it. Yes. I think when it starts to look like Martha Stewart or Home Depot, then you got to wonder, now what? Yeah. Like, what's coming What's coming next, you know? Because I think it feels like it's um, not a downgrade, but people work hard to learn a certain skill. Yeah. And... I don't know if I'm, this is going to come out right. People learn to, to have a certain skill. And now I'm just going to mass market it because this is a thing you can just buy off the shelf and now you're a witch. And it's tough because I want, like, again, capitalism sucks. I want witches to be able to survive. And if what is helping you survive is selling your wares, yeah, I want you to be able to do that. But, you know, I think it's, it's a weird line and it's something that I think the community has to talk about or, or we have to at least be conscious of is this is, for a lot of people, a religion. And so when you're creating these things and don't have... I guess that personal touch when it becomes a corporation is it still religion or is it just profit at this point and that was a big reason why I was not drawn to Catholicism is because I felt like a lot of it was this for-profit like you have to pay in to the church to be considered valid like I it's something that I am very 
strongly against. But then I obviously have to do the work of like, well, am I against the people or am I against the capitalist system that forces them to do that? So Look, not everybody for witches that are working all the time, full time jobs. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm not going to grow all my stuff. I'm not going to grow all yeah. my herbs. I, I need flower power. Yeah. I need there to be knowledgeable witches that are going to sell me herbs because if not, it's never going to get done. Agreed. So it's not like we don't need these places. You know, I need the awareness shop to exist. Yes. You know, there's a bunch of stores that we both know. I, I need them. I need to be able to go in there. But then... Like you said, it's that other thing. It's the for-profit only, you know, because I really believe that the reason these stores that we've just mentioned and there are others that we're going to go to survive is because it's not for-profit. I'm not saying they don't want to make money. I'm saying that's yeah. not why they go into this. They have more of an, in, like they're more invested in. Right. They believe yes. in this product. They work hard at being knowledgeable. Yes. Right? They're not just people. You know, if I ever walked into one of these stores and I asked a question and they couldn't answer me, that to me is like, ugh. Okay, bye. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. That's not the case. You can ask them anything about anything that they sell or anything that they do or any classes that they have, and you know they're doing it because they really want to get the message out there. Do you have to charge? Yes. Why? Because this is the society we live in. If they want to keep doing this service for people, they've got to charge you or they're not going to be around. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think there's something, there's a shift happening. Let's see where it takes us. I don't know. But um, where did the Ferrars take us? Where did they take us? They took us on a couple of journeys in this book. Yes. Um, you know, I, I love this. They have witchcraft and sex, which is basically just a, fe a big feminist rant. Yes. Which I love. <laughs> um, let's see. Pre-Christian societies gave women freedom. Um, what else did they say? The goddess preceded the god in human worship. That's right. First attention to the womb and nourisher of all things. Which I think is interesting. Because, you know, there's a whole segment of witches. Male witches. And it's not all male witches. I know a lot of cool male witches. But there's like a population that's like angry that women are getting all the attention. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what books have you read? Because here's <laughs> another book that we're reading that's saying, again, women, the goddess, but. Yeah, it's it's always been a, a thing that confuses me because I feel like, I'm always like really proud of male witches because I feel like a lot of the texts very strongly push, like you have to embrace the divine feminine. And part of that is because it came as a reaction these texts were written by people who had been raised in these very patriarchal Christian religions. So obviously they're forceful in expressing that there are two sides, but like, yeah, good for you guy who is a witch because you really needed to work to internalize this versus women reading it who are like, yeah, yeah. yes. But if we go back to the whole bisexuality, you have to do it to become spiritual because you need to access both aspects of... Of you. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Support it fully. So what, some of the things I thought were really interesting is they talk they talk about their menstrual cycle, right? 
So the idea that ovulation is when the woman belongs to the human race, but menstruation is when she belongs to herself because she's going through this process of like the cycle and like bodily renewal. I We're not going to have enough time to talk about menstruation. It's going to have to be its own podcast because I actually have a lot to say about this. I just, but I love that we're talking about it like this yes. because, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I remember the first time I got my period. And I said to my mother, oh, what is this? And she said, you know, it's just because it's your first time. Like, it's really not that bad. Like, yeah. my mother had a very positive, I think like this, like this yes. idea, because she said to me, this is your time. This is your time to like relax and really know your body. And she goes, as you get older, you'll see that. Okay. I don't know how old I'm supposed to be <laughs> to see that because I still go, yeah. oh, ugh, again. And then this, this chapter made me feel guilty because I was like, oh, no. I had a very my time. like opposite thing because I was on birth control for a really long time, mm-hmm. like eight years. Mm-hmm. And when I stopped being on birth control, your relation, my relationship, I won't, I won't generalize my relationship with my period really changed. And it does it suck. Absolutely. I still hate bleeding. It's painful and uncomfortable, but it's, I really do have those moments where I'm like, I am in touch with my body. Like I know when I'm ovulating. Mm. I can tell yeah. based on, you know, the way I'm feeling, the size of my boobs, you know, diff- like I can tell. And I couldn't do that on birth control. I get wonky. Like, ask me to walk a straight line. I know when I can't. When you're ovulating? Yeah, I go like to exist. the... It's very bizarre. Like during that time yeah. between like ovulation and menstruation, I have a period where I'm just like... yes. I, I really, and I hate it. And I hate especially when I'm driving because I'm like, okay. Yeah, that could be a be lot. super focused. And I don't know what that's about, but it's like, whatever. But what I thought was interesting was they mentioned primitive cultures would seclude menstruating women to safeguard women during their receptive Red time. tents. Right? But it was the idea of this way they can go deep within themselves. It was this psychic immersion thing right. as opposed better, to like so that, you're dirty get out right. of here and yes. then that changed other men um, <laughs> the patriarchy sucks but it's also interesting because they say blood is magical so of course if blood is magical why would we want to ascribe that to women if we're going to you know yes bring them down you don't want to rather sacrifice an animal Right. When it'd be so much easier to use menstrual blood because there's a it's lot of it. There. <laughs> it's everywhere okay, for days. Um, they also say that a female's experience of life is deeper because it's cyclical, and it's true. We're constantly shedding and regrowing. Yes, and, you know all this stuff. Whereas a man is linear, and because of that, they need each other. And what I liked about the way they wrote it was it wasn't this thing as. See, you all have to be heterosexual. No, it's not like that. I, they, yeah. I got the impression that what they're talking about is this idea of that we all have to come together because we balance each other out in this incarnation. Next incarnation, you might be another gender. Yes. It might be whatever. But in this incarnation, we do learn from our bodies. Yes. The bodies that we're inhabiting at this moment. And they all kind of work together sexually and non-sexually. Well, and we've been in a in a period where so much of what we have done as a society is this linear progression. And so I think regardless of sexuality, there needs to be this embracing of the cyclical. 
Right. Like we need to move towards that more because we've been so male focused. We've been so linear focused. It's all about moving forward, moving forward instead of this birth and death, this growth and renewal right. kind of cycle, which just in general would be better for our earth and our lives. And I think it's also good, this whole idea that we we get it in our heads that it's not us against them. Because whatever gender you are, however you perceive yourself, the next life might throw you in a different direction. Yeah. And that within us, it's just gender fluidity makes a lot more sense because that's who we are at our core. Yes. Who we are in our bodies is one thing, but who we are spiritually when we're not inhabiting a body is something else. So we also have to get our heads around or away from this whole idea of like, you know, men should do this and women should do that. We're just people trying to inhabit this space and learn whatever experience we're supposed to learn in this incarnation. Yeah. You know? Um, and it is mentioned that woman, women are the gateway to witchcraft and man is her guardian and student. Hell yes. And because of that, all female covens are okay. All male covens, big mistake. And even if you want to look at it in non-spiritual terms, there are already all male covens. It's called every major religion in the world. Ooh. So what, what is the value in having a new religion with more men doing the same thing that men have always done? If the point, if we go back to the reincarnation chapter, is to learn and grow in each life, you are not learning and growing by just putting a bunch of men in a room and having them talk. That's what we've been doing for thousands of years. Hot takes with Gemini. No, it's true. She also... I keep saying she... I'm Janet, gonna, love you. Again. We love you, Janet Farrar. Please email us. Cut that out. I will. They also say sex magic without love is black magic, which I thought was really fascinating because it's not that... Gardnerian said, you know, they, they, he also mentioned in his books and other books have said, when you do the great right, if it is going to be an actual great right, it has to be a couple that is already having sex. They're already an established couple. This is not about two people, two strangers or whatever doing magic. And yeah. I think that that's always been a big misconception when people are talking about sex magic. Yeah, I you just know, want to snaps for that. You're very right. Yeah, people need to know, like, the people performing sex magic, they know that they're doing it. It's consensual. And I think that's that's how we should look at it now in a modern sense. It's not necessarily that you have to love each other. Right. But it needs to be at like consensual. two conscious consenting adults who, rec- and when I say conscious, I mean spiritually conscious, who recognize they're both practicing sex magic at this time. Right. It shouldn't just be, I'm imagining, I've played too much D&D, so I'm imagining like full-on succubus. But like it can't just be one person being like, I'm going to do some sex magic. Right. Hey, random stranger, let's right. go have sex. Like, that's right. creepy and weird. Yeah. You should be in a place where the two energies are aiding each other. Right. Not one is subsuming the other. Yeah. And I think I think sex magic can absolutely work if you want to bring in the male and female energy, even if you are a same-sex couple, because we perform the great right using tools. Oh my God. So why can't a same-sex couple, if they want to enact something like that, use tools and then the sex magic can be the sex magic? So what we're actually looking for is 
like top energy and bottom energy versus like strictly male or female. Right. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's how I'm interpreting everything they're saying, even though they go on to say, hey, but, you know, we're straight, uh, you know, folk and we're not really sure about stuff. I just but I love think that, that that's what they're saying. I think that's what they're saying. If you're taking everything together and you're putting it together, then it just makes sense. You yeah. know, if you're saying that we are all basically, you know, gender fluid, it doesn't really matter as long as it's consensual, as long as everybody knows that magic is happening and yeah. you're not using your partner, even if it's consensual sex. It should be consensual sex magic. Yes. You know, you don't just say like, ah, eh, they're not going to know. Yeah. You know, you know, that's not right because you, you're, and also you're not going to raise the same amount of energy as if both of you yeah. are actively saying, okay, we're going to do this thing. I really like how often they just outright say, this is our experience and we are not experts on your experience. Yeah. So like that just is so refreshing to hear because I feel like, especially with Gardner, there was this tone of like, I am the expert and I know everything, but Wicca doesn't have a Pope. There is no one guy. So right. it's just nice to read a text where they, they're just like very open about what they're saying. Like, this is what we do. This is how we understand it. Do what you got to do. You know, they also go into the whole being naked. Which yeah. I think everybody at this time had to talk about. I feel like they just won't let it go. Now, they do say that they doubt that uh, witches in the British Isles were naked. Because, because it's cold. It... <laughs> but they said they probably moved indoors. Yes. Or they wore robes or, you know, whatever. And... Or used some fancy oils to make them warm that nobody knows about anymore. Gardner. <laughs> All I know is this. If there's one thing that I don't miss when I read new texts is that people aren't harping on everybody being naked. Yeah, you don't have to talk about being skyclad anymore. We've all kind of, we've heard it and we've moved on. Yeah. I actually don't know anybody who does this. I I don't even care if anybody that I know does this. Like, do your own thing. But I'm actually even thinking about it right now. Like, even when I was in my, like, eclectic Wicca phase, Mm -hmm. never. I have never done magic naked. And I am naked in my house a lot of the time, just because I live by myself with my fiancé, so I don't have to wear clothes. No. I actually am more likely to put on clothes to do magic than I am to do it naked. You know what I think about, too? We also live in a world where... God, we have way too much stuff. I, yeah. Everybody has way we too much stuff. We have a lot of stuff. So would you rather, is being naked special or is, hey, you know that robe I bought at the Renaissance Fair for so much money? Yes. I'm going to put that on. It's more special, more, more significant. Special. Yes. It's more significant for us. I think that's what it is. I think if anything, there's probably that. And also the idea they said was about equality. Everybody's equal. And when you're naked, you're all equal. You know, there's no chance of you're wearing designer I'm not wearing designer to the ceremony. Does that mean the goddess is looking at you? Listen, so if you're all naked, supposedly to, you know. I am going but, to judge you no matter what. I agree. Am I going to tell you about it? No, because I'm a nice person, but. We're New Yorkers. New Yorkers <laughs> are judging. You know, you know what New Yorkers judge? People's shoes. More than yes. anything, I'm looking at your shoes. Oh my God, yes. I say that as I'm looking at my boots going, oh, I need new boots oh, next, girl, next winter. Preach. But yeah. Yeah, so. Like, it doesn't matter if you're naked or clothed. There's going to be judgment. We're judging. Just accept it and move on. One of the quotes that I found really interesting here says, Wicca includes ritual, spell working, clairvoyance, divination. It is deeply involved in questions of ethics, reincarnation, sex, the relationship with nature, psychology, and attitudes to other religions and occult paths. However, at the same time, they bring up this whole idea of science. 
right? How a lot of what we do can be explained or at some point may be able to be explained. And I remember there was a part here where they talked about how televisions work. Yes. Right? And then what was it? Was it telepathy? Yeah, telepathy. Couldn't it be due to some kind of brain-generated radiation? Yeah. You know? Um, And I also think about the way we practice, you know, the idea that, and we had talked about this in an earlier podcast, I don't put everything in my book of shadows. I put in what I know has quote unquote scientifically been proven, Mm -hmm. right? I test things out, Right, eh, didn't come out well. So the whole idea is that if you do the ritual, you do the spell the exact same way every time, once it's in your book of shadows, that spell that you're going to get the same result. And that's what scientists do. They, yeah. they work on something until they know, okay, if you do this, this happens. You want to have, um, like, repeatability. Right. And I feel that there is a balance. And this is what they talk about, this whole idea that it's not just, ooh, the occult. No, we kind of do work trying to get at a basis of consistency. Yeah. You know, so that we are constantly doing the well, same thing for the same purposes. When I explain what science is to teenagers Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't say it in this exact way but basically the difference between science and fucking around is writing things down yeah so it makes sense that they would be they would pick up on this because it's not I don't think it's unique to the Ferrars that people are getting repeatability and doing these sort of air quotes testing of their spells but the Ferrars really realized that that's what science is science is just a model that we use to understand and replicate things. And so, yeah, apply that to this. And I love that they combine everything. You know, the things that we talk about. You know, we talk about spell working or divination. But they talk about ethics. And they talk about what witches believe. So that it's not just some rando thing. You know, there is science behind it. There is thought behind it. There is something else. Yeah, And, and I think that's what... Um, I really love about this book. There were a couple other things we were going to talk about. Oh, self-initiation, which I feel is such a taboo. Yeah, it, this was a big one for me, especially because in the early 2000s, ooh, that was not a thing. You can't self-initiate into Wicca. Wicca is an oath-bound um, orthopraxic religion. Wicca can only happen in a coven. And, you know, are there, are there paths where that's the case? Absolutely. But... I wish I had had this book in 2008 to be like, no, even in 1975, 1982, whenever this book came out, people were still self-initiating. Well, Alex Sanders supposedly was not initiated by Gardner. Gardner turned him away and he got a hold of the Book of Shadows and did it anyway. Yeah. So what does that mean? The whole Alexandrian tradition is wrong? No. Right? So I love that they bring that up and they talk about that. Um... And yeah, they say it is a good idea to be initiated by somebody else. Why? Well, it's a good idea to have a mentor in anything you go into, right? There's somebody there that you can talk to that can tell you, you know, these are the mistakes I've made. Don't do this. Yeah. You know? But other than that, um, they don't poo-poo the whole idea of self-initiation, which I think is awesome. I think it's also great. It's a thing that happens no matter what. So it's better to regulate it. It's better for the Ferraris to say, hey, you know what? We know you're self-initiating, so here's some some advice versus just trying to be like, nope, self-initiation, not allowed, not a thing, can't do it, move on. Yeah. Like it gives validity to the people who are going to practice this regardless, 
now they feel accepted and, and part of the community. And they actually quote Valiente, you have a right to be a pagan if you want to be. And I love that line. Yeah. You know, this whole idea that no one has the right, and it's true, no one has the right to tell you you didn't do it the right way because somebody else wasn't there. Yeah. You know, a gender specific person wasn't there <laughs> to initiate you. A because, person of the opposite sex. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's interesting what they say if you want to do this, they give you two ways they believe you should go about it. One, to read the basic philosophy, see if it resonates with you, mm -hmm. right? And then either take up a very simple system or use a system already in place. So they're not even against the idea of saying, hey, I read this book, whatever book it is, could be Gardner, could be them, and saying, I like this, I'm going to test some things out. Yeah. So in other words, I'm not going to learn from Gardner how to, you know, cast a circle, or I'm not going to learn... I'm going to figure this out on my own. Yeah. And they're even saying that that's good, which makes a lot of sense. If we're a nature-based religion, then shouldn't people be out in nature trying to figure things out if they want to? Yeah. Or you find something that you go, hey, this rings true to me. I'm following this. They're saying those are the two paths, which I thought was really interesting because I wouldn't think that they would say, hey, why don't you experiment a little bit and yeah. see, write stuff down. They still say write stuff down. Yeah. See what rings true to you. So I think... Um it's important. I want to like underline for the listeners, read the basic philosophy. Because when this book came out, you were getting texts that were more dense and more intense. Like the stuff that came before this is Gardner. It is Crowley. It is, I mean, Valiente's text was great. I loved everything about that. But a lot of these texts are, you know, very philosophical and very um, sort of in-depth. And I think that there's a difference between them saying, read that and read like, you know, nowadays if you just like pick up a what is Wicca spell book, I think almost they're saying read about it before you try to experiment with spells. Don't read the first chapter and then skip to the eighth chapter and start doing spells. But that was just my take on that chapter. No, I mean, this is something that I've always said. I don't think you... If you're doing something seriously, I don't care what you call it. I don't. If you do crocheting, you don't just buy, you know, a pattern and go. Well, I'm not really sure how I'm going to get started. I'm just going to start doing this. Yeah. Like, don't you want to know something about what it is you're doing? Um, and I feel that a lot of people jump into stuff, and they're not really interested in well, what is the philosophy behind this, or who came before what. So I've always that's been a bone of contention for me. Mm -hmm. This whole idea of you know, like you said jumping just because I want to do a spell which is fine but I don't know if you should go around calling yourself a witch afterwards if all you did was jump to chapter eight yeah. got the spell and, and you did it um another thing they said was keep in touch with current thinking development and controversy within the craft and pagan movement in general so you should listen to witch face and that's what I got <laughs> out of it I think that they were ahead of their times and that they knew they had to listen to They had like space. a divine download that said one day there's going to be a podcast that's going to tell you all about the juicy goss. And it's not us. It's astrology roasts. Yeah, because we're not, we're not <laughs> spilling any tea here on any anybody. But, but I think that that's, that's a really good thing because I think it's really important to stay current. You know, we just said we're not going to spill any tea, but I'm not going to mention any names. 
But people can get stuck in a rut and they can get stuck in this is what witchcraft is and this is the only thing it is or the only way it can be. And that can be detrimental. doesn't mean that you can, you're going to change somebody's mind once they've made it up. But yeah. I think you should know if there is a trend towards something, even if it's something that might harm the community. Yeah, like I think we talked not too in-depth, but a little bit in our Magical Alphabets episode about like Nazis are bad and we shouldn't be friends with Nazis. I think that's something that is unfortunately a bigger deal in the witchcraft community than it is in some other religious communities because of the historical aspect of people relating to certain pagan religions. I think also, though, with our religious umbrella being such a fast-growing and such a fast-changing religious umbrella that it's it's a detriment to yourself if you don't at least try to stay a little bit up to date because, you know, I don't... There are so many new branches of Wicca. There's so many new branches of paganism in general. You might find something that resonates more strongly with you. You might realize that your path has actually been working towards a different end. You might incorporate new practices like... Our religion gives us an opportunity for growth at all times. You don't have to... I follow somebody on Instagram who, like, posts um, on my personal, not on which space, who posts, like, their Bible verse breakdowns. I, like, highlight and underline in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And, I like, I think that's valuable. I think reading and underlining and highlighting and annotating books is great. But it always struck me as weird that you have one book. Like, that religion has one book that you just sit and read. That's not even what I think is weird. <laughs> no, Do you think I it's mean, weird that they're posting it on Instagram? Well, ditto? This, well, I mean, you know, we have we have our own accounts, and then we have Witch Space. Yeah. I'm not putting religious – we don't even put religious things on Witch Space. Barely, but, yeah. You know, I'm not putting religious things on my personal account. I think that's weird. I mean, I think that my practice is – an important part of who I am, but it's not everything that I am. So the idea of going on Instagram and saying, yeah. all right, people, here's a verse from, you know, Crowley. Yeah. Here we go. Here's a verse. Like, I'm going to start doing that now. I'm going to read exclusively one. I'm going to pick one text from this year and I'm only going to read that. I'm going to highlight it over and over, underline it, post verses on my Instagram. No, I just think that that's what I think is yeah. weird. That's what, that's what I thought you were going to say, but I know what you're saying. It's one book, whereas we have so many to pull from. But here's the thing. This is also a new concept, the idea of pulling from different things. Yeah. You know, when when I first started, it was almost like, like, like I said before, this book resonated with me. And I went, this is why I know that I'm a witch or whatever. Yeah. But there were other things that I do that maybe are part of somebody else's tradition. It's not exactly one particular one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more acceptable now. Yeah. You know, there was a time when people would say, well, then you're not really a witch. First of all, you weren't initiated into a coven. Yeah. Now you're including all these other things that aren't traditional Wicca. So you're not a witch. You know, I think that it's opened up more now where I can be more comfortable saying, hey, I do this, but I also do that. Yeah. I think we've. We've opened up the category of who is a witch. We've opened up the cauldron, the lid off the cauldron. Oh, damn, that's good. I should have said that. I know. I'll just del- I'm just going to not delete it. I'm going to say in the – don't – okay, well, now I can't even make the joke. Lid off the cauldron. <laughs> We've opened up what being a witch is. So By that- taking the lid off the cauldron. 
But like I, for a very long time, didn't consider myself a witch because I, I'm not Wiccan. I don't do things that were like, like BTW, British traditional witchcraft. I don't, it's not even really a folk practice that I'm doing. So for almost my entire life, I didn't call myself a witch. I have a question. Yeah? The more we read. Yeah. Have you noticed how much your gods are in here? Yeah, it always stresses me out. Does that, I was going to ask you, like, how does that make you feel? Because I, you're not Wiccan, and I'm not saying that now you are because yeah. they're in here. But I'm saying, does that feel weird, like, to open up a book and go, you don't belong in here? So or? weird. Okay. Um, I don't, I, I won't talk too much about it because obviously we want to stay on track with the Ferrars, but, and I think I explained this, I had a conversation with another person about this, where the gods that I worship and the gods that are in these books, to me, feel like two different gods. They're, like, completely different aspects of Possible, this yeah. deity, this sure. divine thing. Because, like, Artemis is not a moon goddess in Hellenic practice. And so much, I hope I've said it here. I think you said it here. This is the hill that I'm going to die on. <laughs> she's, um, she's used so much in the context of, like, the moon. And I, I don't have a problem with that. That's how I found her in the first place. But she's not a moon goddess. In Hellenic practice so a lot of the things that I read especially about her are just kind of like well this means nothing to me <laughs> can't do anything with this it's like I really wanted a fork and I just have knives it's just knives we're like sporks it's Ooh, adjacent yeah I wanted yeah. a fork I'm just getting sporks I could I could do something with it but I don't want to yep okay just wondering about that yeah another thing that I really thought was important in the book the whole chapter on being in tune with the land yeah that one was really interesting because again when we're talking about the validity making you know telling people you're not valid for doing this and they actually say european witches back off the american witches yeah. because you really have to go with the land and that's i'm going to tie it back into my religion that's a thing that i'm seeing like very hardcore reconstructionists don't like um, revivalist Hellenics connecting the gods to the land. So, like, mm. a thing that really stood out for me, I remember reading on the internet, like, Aphrodite of Chesapeake Bay. I would love, like, like Aphrodite of, of the Hudson River. Can mm. you just imagine that? Oh, she's just an angry, angry lady. Um, but the idea that we see the gods in the land that we're in, I think is something that witchcraft is still struggling with right now. And it might not be Wicca that's struggling with it, but other aspects, especially Reconstructionist religions, are struggling to deal with this idea that I don't live in Greece. I will probably never live in Greece. I do not have the skin tone to handle that much sunlight. Um, like, at all. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to see my gods. It doesn't mean that they don't exist where I am. Greek people came to America. Odysseus went all over the place. Yeah, yes. So there you go. Right? The gods followed him everywhere. So think of it that way. <laughs> Taking notes. Yeah. Why did you do this time? <laughs> so I, yeah, I think it's important. You know, a lot of the herbs that we use here, there are things that are not really, readily available yeah. that we use substitute substitutions for. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with saying, look, I don't have access to this, so I'm going to use something else. I'm yeah. going to use something that might be even more powerful here because it's grown here. And a lot of times we talk about not just 
the Americas, but where do you live? What grows there? Yeah. What is this good for? And using that, why? Because it's readily available. You can't get something that's more fresh, that's more blessed by the gods than what you have right in front of you. So why not use that? And why would that make you less of a witch? That's kind of cuckoo. This I would love to hear from like people not in America, Mm. but I feel like this is a very American thing and it might even be like a very suburban America thing where we almost idolize places that aren't here. Like, suburban America is the lawn. It's the manicured flowers. It's roads. And we don't get in touch with what would have been the natural fauna or what would be the natural flora of the area where we are. I think that's changing, though. I think people are taking more walks and looking to see what's available and what's here. I hope so. This is another, see, look at me, hills that I'm going to die on. That's the name of this episode. Hills Gemini is going to die on. I hate lawns. I think the whole idea of a lawn is, like, just inherently toxic to both our environment, but also to the idea of, like, being in touch with the land. If you want to be in touch with the land, like, use that space for, like, normal, natural parts oh, of Oh, grow the, something on Yeah, gross. But even if you don't, like, even if you don't have a green thumb, which I don't, mm-hmm. I have fake plants in my apartment clovers are natural ground cover in new york state um mugwort which we learned about grows incredibly readily like you can grow even local grasses if you grow something that's part of your environment you're helping the world not literally explode and also you're getting in touch with your actual existence in this actual land You're not, like, trying to pretend that it's something that it's not. And I think that's, that was the the suburb vibe that I had growing up learning about witchcraft, is we're going to pretend we're going to force this to conform to our own desires. Whereas I don't think that's, based on my take, that's not how this is supposed to work. I agree with you. But I... Maybe I'm just hopeful. I feel like people are changing. I feel like people are taking into consideration, not everybody, maybe not the majority of the people, but some people are thinking about what should grow here instead of that what do be, I want to impose. This is the next step of Wicca is to destroy the lawns. <laughs> We're going to destroy the lawns. That sounds good. Just so, like email us if you're going to join the, the destroy the F lawns, lawns committee. So I think I think that's pretty much everything that I wanted to to talk about. We had so much to say about the Ferrars. I you know I'm just in love with this book. I think I personally think if you're interested in Wicca, you should read this book. I don't care what branch you go into, but I think I think you should read it. I agree. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot, honestly. I actually read some of the beginning part. We didn't talk too much about the first half of the right. book. I read some of that. I enjoyed it. I read the end. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I kind of felt like the beginning was more some of the things that we've read in other books. Absolutely. And, and just the whole idea of the ethics of Wicca and, you know, things that they believe in, the beliefs, I thought was really important to get into, especially for me. This, this book just really resonates with me. And for those of you who are interested in, like, where some of these concepts came from in sort of the spiritual New Age community, this is a place where you're sort of seeing some of this for the first time. So... Definitely a thumbs up from Witch Space. Yes. Yes. 
If after this hour-long romp through the Ferrars has you craving more witch space, you can hear us on our New Moon podcast where I'll talk about my assignment from Scorpio as well as some tools and techniques that might help those of you who are new getting started. You'll also hear us on the full moon discussing our first episode of Summer Reading, Robert Graves, who wrote one of the first major fictions on witches. Thanks so much for listening, y'all, and remember... If you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm-hmm.